Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 13 is in the books. We are both feeling on the mend, as you would say. Uh, seems like things are going a lot better. Was there a, a big thing that you learned about the ACC this weekend as you uh, watched on a more healthy standpoint? Yeah, Miami losing to FIU was just what the doctor ordered, Joey. I am big time back. I what? Hold on. I'm sorry. One more, t- one more time. What did you say? Uh, hey, Mill Tennessee beat FIU by like 30 points, and Miami lost to FIU. I, I feel like you're reading that wrong. That can't be. That I, can't be right. I, I'm sorry. FIU is is the real Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we're trying to make some friends on this here podcast. Okay. Hashtag TNM, the new Miami. We do <laughs> teams that don't even belong in the same field as we do. <laughs> Okay, all right, we're going to get into that here in just a second. Um, Mike, the thing that I learned, um, I am as as far from confident as I have been in like a year that Virginia is going to win the Coastal this, this, this season. I mean, okay, so they have the lead, and they've got a home game left, and all they got to do is win at home. They've, they came off a bye week, and they, they beat Liberty pretty good. And all they got to do now is beat Virginia Tech, which in – in most situations would seem doable, except for the fact that in this particular game, that hadn't happened in like a decade and a half. Like the last time that Virginia beat Virginia Tech, I was what, like seventh grade or something like that? I mean, my goodness. And it just, I mean, it just seems like it's a perfect setup. I'm, put it this way, I'm real, real nervous about my Virginia going to win the Coastal prediction right now. As nervous as I as I have been since I started making it back in like February. Yeah, if I were you, I'd be nervous about it too, Joey. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay, um, let's dig into some games here, Mike. We've we've got several of them that are of uh, various degrees of discussion worthy. There's really only one place that we could possibly start this week, um, and I. I, I look at this and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm reading the score right, but there's still a part of me that doesn't really trust it. But I I'm just gonna trust that the system's not broken and that I am I'm doing this right. Um, what the system says is Florida International thirty, Miami twenty four. My Mike did did Miami really actually lose a football game to Florida International and not to mention just Florida International. Florida International and their fearless leader, Butch Davis, beat Miami? Butch Davis beat Miami, Joey, with FIU. And Miami fans were so mad after the game at Butch Davis because they thought that his players were faking injuries. And that's what Miami fans were worried about, not the fact they just (laughs) lost to FIU. 
they were worried about uh, players from the other roster faking injuries. By the way, Joey, Miami was like, I don't know, a 30-point favorite. Do you know that they got like two to three extra timeouts in this game because their guys were faking injuries? And that's why Miami lost. Let's go with that. That had to be why they lost. Not because they went one for ten on third down. That can't be why. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Against FIU. I... Oh, man. I Just some of this, I mean, Miami was outgained, or excuse me, Miami outgained FIU by over 100 yards. Garbage time, by the way. Garbage time yard. I mean, I guess. They were dominated in this football game, Joey. Florida International got 14 penalties for 126 yards, all this stuff. And and the thing is, Mike, that if if you didn't watch this game for a second and you saw this final score, you probably think, well, FIU had a you know just a great comeback there at the last second and and managed to pull it off and just this last minute bizarre upset over Miami. No, Miami never led in this game. Nope. FIU kicked a field goal I think on their opening drive and led the game from wire to wire after that. This was never a game. Miami was trailing sixteen to three going into the fourth quarter. Like they couldn't score. They couldn't do anything. I don't know how to explain what happened in this game. And I watched, this was probably the the most significant amount of game action that I watched this weekend in the ACC, other than Georgia Tech on Thursday night against NC State. We'll get to that in a little while. I don't know how to explain what I was watching, other than, was Miami just that undisciplined, or just that expecting that they were just going to roll their helmets out there and win? I don't know. This was a, a disaster of all disasters for Miami, and I don't know how to explain it even in just, like, basic football terms of what the hell happened here. Hold on. Did you just say Miami thought they could just roll their helmets out there and win? Did, did I stutter? I mean, that, that sounds like a Miami football team as far as I'm concerned. Oh, oh yes, it does. And, Joey, you know what usually <laughs> happens when they do that? Uh, this? Uh, they lose. <laughs> The new Miami, baby. The new Miami. Um, I, I said they were a 30-point favorite. I'm sorry. They were actually only a 21-point favorite. Um, uh, regardless, this is one of the worst losses in school history for Miami. I mean, this is – and by the way, it, it's worth mentioning, this is the second time that Miami has lost this season in in South Florida, not necessarily completely at home, but in South Florida as like upwards of a two-touchdown favorite. They've just lost the game on the field – uh, the other one being, of course, to my Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket shout-out, Cam Underwood. Florida International, Joey, they've lost to teams like Tulane. Bowl eligibility, by the way. Uh, bowl eligible, Tulane. Shout-out, William uh, 42-14. to 14. Uh, They've lost to Western Kentucky, 20-14. to 14. They've lost to Louisiana Tech, 43-31. Joey, I mentioned Mill, Tennessee State, 50-17. Uh, to 17. Uh, Also, they lost to Florida Atlantic, 37-7. Um, Joey, Miami couldn't score until the second half of this game. They were being shut out. Mm-hmm. Um, if it weren't for three garbage time touchdowns to make this look semi-competitive, um, they would have lost this game by two scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaron Williams threw three interceptions. Mm-hmm. Florida International won the turnover battle three to nothing. Um, Miami, th- this is the worst loss in school history. Not to be outdone by maybe a top five loss, uh, top five loss in school history earlier this year against Georgia Tech, a Georgia Tech team that is barely squeaking by to three wins. Um, Joey, 
Joey, the new Miami, maybe they shouldn't have hired Manny Diaz. I mean, my the, the thing is, though, that Miami hired a coach that has – I mean, when he came in as head coach, he had a previously undefeated tenure as head coach in his career. That, that, this is very this is very true. He had a hell of a run at Temple. So you understand? Yeah, I mean, he never lost a game at Temple. So I don't, you know, I don't want to criticize Miami no, for wait, hiring wait, wait, a guy wait, who's wait, never wait, lost. Wait, wait a second. I'm sorry. Did he did he win any games at Temple? That's that's not what we're talking about here, Mike. We're talking okay, about, okay. Yes. He never lost games at Temple. Is what we're saying. Man, yikes! Damn it! Yikes! Um, this is, I mean, so, so truth be told, and, and we'll say this and then we'll move on because we're really, really dwelling on this game. It's an out of conference game. It doesn't really even mean that much. Miami's already eligible, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. This doesn't, this doesn't mean much to Miami clearly. In, definitely. In, in structural ways, at least, I mean, in, in sentimental ways, oh my gosh, you can't, you, you can't forget this fast enough. What I will say, I mean, we, we've mentioned this before this season that, you know, maybe the thing that Miami needed in their, their new coach hire following Mark Richt was not a guy that had swagger and, you know, that was going to really embrace the things that they were kind of already embracing and just really kind of turn it up to 11 type of thing in terms of swagger and uh, you know, confidence and, and all this stuff. Maybe, maybe Miami needed a guy that was going to instill some systems and some discipline and some coaching. And it's just not at all what they've gotten this year. I mean, it's just, it is so unthinkable right now that Miami in year one, where again, we, I remember on the, on the preseason preview, we were talking about this team, and I said I thought they were going to go 8-4, and four, and Cam was just aghast at the idea that they might lose four games on their schedule. And here we are. They've already lost five, and one of them's to friggin' FIU. I, so, all to say, I mean, I guess as much as first seasons shouldn't necessarily be referendums on coaches in so many occasions... I mean, this is this is something else in terms of what what do we think about this program and this head coach? And I don't think they're going to fire him by any means here in the next couple of months or anything like that. Yet, and, yet, and yet, I mean, people are that upset about kind of a couple of these five losses have been so atrocious. I I don't know what else to say. Uh, they've lost to two of the worst teams on their schedule. But, hey, at mm-hmm. least they're going to go play in, like, the Sun Bowl or something, right? The yeah. new Miami. Sure. Um, if they cared about their football program, they would have made a better hire in the first place. But this this is the new Miami. They don't they don't care about football anymore. I I, I don't have a better explanation. Um, for what it's worth, Mike, in this game, and I, and I think it's, it's a really important um, little data point, Jaron Williams throws three picks and, and not entirely, you know, all of them on him, but Miami finishes this game minus three in turnovers. Yep. In other words, to say the turnover chain did not come out, at least on the Miami sideline. Um, and that's a big reason that they were able to lose this game outright, much less fail to cover. So I, I don't know. This was, this is a disaster of a game. Miami's got to do some serious soul searching. There, there is 
a lot of like senior talent, especially on defense, that Miami's going to have to figure out how to replace next year. And meanwhile, hopefully get the offense better. And if not, I don't know how good this team's going to be moving forward. Um, <laughs> Joey, I have a, uh, Continue, Mike, I have a question keep, for you. Please go, I, go ahead. Yeah. I have a question. Uh-huh. Uh, do you think Miami misses Al Golden? Ooh. <laughs> Oh Cam no! Cam has entered the chat. Um, oh no, man! No, I don't. I uh, really hey, don't think so. Joey, I don't think Randy Shannon ever lost to FIU. <laughs> <laughs> oh Miami, oh, what are you doing? Geez. Hey, Joey, I'll I'll leave this uh, one last thought here. Um. Manny Diaz just Willie Taggarted himself. <laughs> he, he is going into year two squarely, squarely on the hot seat. And I don't know where Miami is going to go from here, baby. I don't know where they're going to go from here. I'll, I'll leave you with this thought, Mike. Um, do you feel like that Miami fans are jealous of the fact that Florida State already fired their coach? Oh, no. And that's our show. Y'all have a good night. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, no. And, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> if Miami fans are still listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. All right. <laughs> so, anyways, Florida International 30, Miami 24, and that is still not a typo. My goodness gracious. All right, let's move on. Uh, Mike, your Virginia Tech Hokies 28, Pittsburgh uh, nothing. Nothing at all. Um, this was a four-point spread. I, I feel like the result was a little more pronounced than we necessarily expected, but at the same time, this was not that competitive. Virginia Tech continues. I, I mean, they're on a tear right now. There's no other way of putting it. Um, they, they made the most of their opportunities. It wasn't like their offense had a ton of success against a really good Pittsburgh defense, but Pittsburgh's offense, I mean, just had nothing for Virginia Tech's defense in this game. Yeah, they had nothing. This game played out a lot like we thought it would, but like you mentioned, this ended up being a lot more pronounced than we thought. Um, Virginia Tech was, uh, I guess, a three-and-a-half or a four-point favorite, depending on where you got them at. Um, They ended up playing this game by four scores. I was not surprised with how this game played out. I was more surprised with the final score being what it was. I thought Pittsburgh would score at some point. They didn't. Uh, Joey, the, this is kind of like the story of the game. But, um, you know, during the pregame show down in Blacksburg on Saturday when we were on the radio, we were talking about Pittsburgh's offense. And Paul Van Wagner, he's the host of the drive there on ESPN Blacksburg, asked us a very direct question. What is the strength of the Pittsburgh offense? And we all kind of just paused because we didn't know what – that was right and i have an answer oh what would that be receiver talent (laughs) oh no i mean honest and honestly and i was was literally thinking about this earlier today i mean you got maurice for french you've got shockey jacques louis you got tazir mack like those are dudes in the receiving core for for pittsburgh yep there's there's something there I'll, i'll give them that if nothing else 
Uh, yeah, Maurice French didn't play. Um, so that hurt. Not a good start. Uh, yeah. Uh, Shocky Jock Louis a freshman. Still pretty good, but also a freshman. Yes, fair, no, very good. Very good. Um, all also, conference what a name, team. name. Yes, all conference name team. <laughs> uh, Kenny Pickett, not great. No. Running game, real bad. This is the thing, and that's the other thing that I thought about earlier today is, man, what did we think of Kenny Pickett coming off of that Miami game two years ago where Miami came into Heinz Field undefeated and the whole thing, and then freshman Kenny Pickett goes in and is basically running like the option or something and, I mean, ran for like 100 yards or whatever. And they, I mean, they beat Miami. They, they weren't even going to a bowl game, the whole thing. I mean, in two years since – Wow, it has not been what you would call development for Kenny Pickett since then. No, and and you know he's throwing the ball a ton. I mean, ten of twenty six in this game for one hundred and three yards. Now that th- those are bad stats. The weather was horrible, Joey. Yeah. Rain, wind, forty degree temperatures. Was I was way. there. It was miserable. Um. But, yeah, Pitt can't run the football. Kenny Pickett's struggling throwing the football, obviously. Um, They really just didn't have a ton going. Virginia Tech's offense didn't have much to offer, but they hit a couple of pretty explosive plays in this game. Uh, Basically, right off the bat, uh, Hendon Hooker hit Tavion Robinson for a 71-yard pass. Uh, This was, I guess, the second drive of the game for Virginia Tech. Uh, Got them down to the one-yard line. Virginia Tech would score on that drive. Pittsburgh got the ball back down 7-0, and Kenny Pickett was flushed out of the pocket, proceeded to fumble. Virginia Tech ran that fumble back for a scoop and score to go 14-0. And then Pittsburgh just basically died. (laughs) That was really about it. Um, Virginia Tech scores before halftime to make it 21-0. Hendon Hooker throws another touchdown pass there in the fourth quarter. But this was never competitive. Pittsburgh wasn't moving the ball well. Um, They really couldn't get much going. Uh, at all offensively. I mean, it was a real struggle for much, most of the game. They couldn't really get past the 50-yard line at all, save for like the second-to-last drive of the game. So that was really bad. Pittsburgh goes three for 15 on third down in this football game, so obviously not very good. Uh, Pat Narduzzi was making a big deal uh, in the, in the lead-up to the game this past week saying that Pittsburgh would be fine dealing with the crowd noise in Lane Stadium because they went into Happy Valley and didn't have any false start penalties. Um, They proceeded to have a false start penalty in in their first two or three drives of the game uh, to the point where Virginia Tech defensive players were heckling Pat Narduzzi uh, (laughs) on the field. that they were Dax Hollyfield. Dax Hollyfield holding up. So Pitt had committed their second false start penalty, and Virginia Tech linebacker Dax Hollyfield turned to the Pittsburgh sideline, looked at Pat Narduzzi, and held up the two for the second false start mm-hmm. that they committed. So it was, uh, yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech, and it's, you know, Bud Foster's last game at Lane Stadium, and it's only fitting this man shut out. And Virginia Tech has now shut out opponents in nine consecutive quarters. So that's also really good, uh, dating back to a Wake Forest game. So, Virginia Tech's defense is playing well right now. They're playing with an edge. They're playing with some swagger. Hendon Hooker at one point in this game was like four or five for 109 yards at a touchdown pass. Uh, he finished 10 of 13 passing. He had two touchdowns. Uh, so he was pretty good. The running game was not, but it didn't really make a difference. 
Um, so I guess you credit Pittsburgh there for, you know, stopping the run and doing what they could. And I thought the Pittsburgh defense overall played pretty well, but offensively they were so far behind the eight ball in this game. It really didn't matter. And Virginia Tech made him pay for it. Yeah. I mean, and I think that says it all is that Pitt, Pitt had such a hard time moving the ball against a, a pretty formidable defense at this point in the year. I mean, they got down 14 nothing in the first quarter and I, it just felt like there was nothing that they were going to be able to do about it. Um, and that's, that's the thing. If, if, so if I have acted frustrated about Pittsburgh this year, this is another thing I was thinking about earlier today, Mike, you know what? I actually really, really loved watching Pittsburgh play 2016 when Matt Canada was running that offense and Nathan Peterman and James Connor and a couple of those guys were, you know, out there moving the ball for the Panthers. I loved watching them. They were creative. They were interesting. They were good. I mean, they maximized everybody's strengths. They they ran all sorts of misdirection and, and threw some defenses off and the whole thing. I mean, they were great to watch. And this Pittsburgh offense has just seemingly, like, ignored their strengths in so many ways. It's, it's partially that. It's partially, like, a lack of QB development. I mean, again, Kenny Pickett has not gotten really any better than he was two years ago when we saw him against Miami there at Heinz Field again, you know, on Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, I don't know. It as good as this pit defense has been, the offense has been just incredibly disappointing throughout the season. That defense has been one of the single best units on either side of the ball for any team in the ACC. And the fact that they can't consistently generate points and they got shut out here against, you know, decidedly a pretty good Virginia Tech defense. But they just, at the end of the day, they got shut out. It's just, it's incredibly disappointing. And I, I, I feel like Pitt should be doing more. And I, I, I'm a little bit concerned that there's still minimal referendum talk on where we're at with Pat Narduzzi and this whole program after several years of him at the helms. Like, shouldn't we be better than this by now? Like, we're, we finally figured it out on defense and other than that one year where we had Matt Canada as our offensive coordinator, we can't score points on a consistent basis, at least. They figured out the defense, and now the offense sucks. And that's just in Pittsburgh time. football in 2019, unfortunately. Go ACC. Yep. Yeah, that, that's all I got here. Um, Virginia Tech, borderline buzzsaw at this point. Um, don't get in the way of that train. Um, they They have – Put it all together just in time to go to Charlottesville next week and uh, pick up where we left off last year. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it on the preview, I guess. Yeah, bad news for the Cavaliers. Virginia <laughs> Tech got their swagger back, baby. I got bad news for you, Who's fans. Yep. Uh, yeah, a, a Virginia Tech team that we really thought might have been dead in the water at the end of September has uh, put it together, figured it out. So, in any case, uh, Virginia Tech, 28, Pittsburgh, nothing. Hey, Jelly, one more thing before we officially move on. Is this another Miami fact, Mike? Uh, no, but it can be if you need it to be. Um, I welcome these. Okay, well, uh, think about going down to CarMax this week, uh, you know, <laughs> get myself a new car for the holiday for Virginia Tech winning streak, yes, UVA. <laughs> get ready to drive, baby. You, you might get a car for free if it was the uh, model year that Virginia last lost that last won that game. So. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. 
We got jokes, baby. We got jokes. Virginia, can you please, please make me look smart and win this game? I'd rather you not. I know. I know. Uh, Wake Forest 39, Duke 27. This game wasn't really a game, and then it kind of was, and then it wasn't, and then it wasn't, was, and I don't know. It kind of went back and forth. End of the day, Wake Forest ran for over 300 yards in this game between Jamie Newman, Kenneth Walker, and Cade Carney. Jamie Newman also went 14 of 25 for 284 and a score. Uh, he was real good. Uh, of those 284, 189 of them went to Kendall Hinton. I mean, Wake Forest's offense still kind of total buzzsaw mode. And even as bad as their defense has been, Duke only racked up like 300 yards of offense. And by the way, Mike, Duke scored three touchdowns in this game. Would you like to know how they scored them? Tell me, Joey. Uh, Damon Filiad Johnson, 97-yard kickoff return. Uh, Noah Gray, 23-yard touchdown pass. Damon Filiad Johnson, 98-yard kickoff return. So, all to say, Duke scored three touchdowns in this game, two of them on kickoff returns for touchdowns. Uh, so, in other words, if, if they didn't score on kickoffs, the offense wasn't doing a whole lot of anything. Yeah, okay. Wake Forest defense, Wake Forest special teams, a little bit shaky. A little bit. Uh, Wake Forest offense, when they play, you know, not Virginia Tech, uh, not Clemson, and not Louisville. Oh, I, I mean, I take that back because the offense is pretty good against Louisville. Yeah. Um, let, let's go back. Not Virginia Tech and not Clemson. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they're they're fully capable. Um, I mean, and what's extra weird here is that, I mean, so again, Sage Surratt out for the year. Scotty Washington, I'm not even sure he played in this game. Kendall Hinton, six receptions, 189 yards, as I said before. Like, <laughs> Wake Forest can figure it out. You know, and, and it's not like the, the personnel there is anything particularly uh, mind-blowing or over-the-top, you know, hard to guard, all that. But, you know, the coaching and the scheme is really impressive. And especially if you can out-scheme Duke. I mean, again, Duke, another team that, from a, a straight-up just dude's standpoint, don't necessarily got them. But tend to be pretty schematically uh, solid, uh, pretty schematically sound. And Wake just beat the tar out of him in this game. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Newman, 428 all-purpose yards, Joey. I mean, you mentioned how good he was through the air and on the ground. He was very complete. Yeah. I mean, let's put it this way, Mike. Duke was lucky to be in this game at all in the fourth quarter. I agree. Like, thank God they had two kickoff returns for touchdowns. That is as random as it gets and as lucky as it gets because if they didn't have that, I mean, this was just, I, I mean, it would have been, what, like 39-13? Would so, not have been bad. Yeah. Quentin Harris continues to be underwhelming. Um, Duke continues to struggle to run the ball. Um, it, it, it's, it, I'll say this about Duke. It's been kind of bizarre watching how – effective they could be and were there in the first month or so of the season. And they have just completely, completely been, you know, just, it's like they have just completely fallen apart here in the past 
four, five, six weeks on offense in particular. Yeah, Quentin Harris is total butt. He wasn't, but he is. Yes, very butt. Weirdly, that, that's how my boss described me at work the other day. <laughs> total butt. Wasn't, but is. I I think that's a bad thing. I don't know. I'll work but, on it. But he went to the Manning Passing Academy. <laughs> He's got to be good. I... I I'm pretty sure he didn't, but I'm not going to fact check that. So, <laughs> and, I, and I'd recommend that the listeners don't fact check that either. Yeah. Well, these aren't your daddy's blue devils. <laughs> Every once in a while, I got to remind you. Wake Forest 39, Duke 27. Let's just get the hell out of here. Uh, Louisville 56, Syracuse 34. Speaking of games that weren't a game and then they were and then they weren't. Uh, Louisville, my goodness, uh, just blew the doors off of Syracuse. This was like long touchdown after long touchdown. Uh, Mikhail Cunningham completes 11 passes for 238 and five scores, Mike. Joey, I'm <laughs> sorry. I, I'm, uh, I, I just researched Quentin Harris just to fact check myself on the Manning Passing Academy thing. And I don't mean to get hung up on this, but not only was he invited to it, uh, he was also selected as a college counselor for the Manning Passing Academy. Hold on. A what? Yeah. A congratulations to Quentin Harris, who was selected as a college counselor for the Manning Passing Academy. That is courtesy of the Duke football Facebook page. What are we talking about? Yep. Like he's there for moral support or something? I can't complete 40% of his passes, but <laughs> he's counseling the Manning Passing Academy. What okay. on earth? Yes. Tutu Atwell had five catches for 152 yards and two scores in this game for Louisville. He is just, again, a big play, big score machine. Um, I, and, and by the way, Mike, he's a sophomore, which tells me what in the hell was Bobby Petrino doing not using this dude last year? I mean, there's a reason why Bobby Petrino is now out of work. <laughs> Touche, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, Mikhail Cunningham. I mean, he doesn't complete many passes, but when he does, boy, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you mentioned he's an oddly explosive throwing the football. Um, 11 of 20 for 238 and five scores, like you said. Uh, 2-2 Atwell, really good. Continues to be good. Five catches for 152 and two touchdowns. Feels like every week we're talking about how crazy he is at receiver. Um, he did have a 90-yard touchdown catch in this game, which is, you know, pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Yeah. Louisville running the football. Javion Hawkins, 23 carries for 233 yards and a touchdown. That's Gosh, he's so good. Good for 10 yards a carry, so that'll play. Where did he come from? My gosh it's like Scott Satterfield got hired and he figured out that he had like pieces to work with and, you know, craziness, right? Uh, Wild. Wild. Almost like he's Uh, a good coach. Every once in a while, Louisville runs into one. Uh, (laughs) Syracuse, like, all right, let's talk about Tommy DeVito for a second, shall we? Yeah. Uh, All right. Syracuse won in blowout fashion. Last week against Duke, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was I was there. pretty I shocking. 
Um, I wasn't actually there, but you know. Yeah. Tommy DeVito went six of 15 passing in that game for like 105 yards or something like that. Wasn't very good. Uh, I mean, if you're only going to complete six passes, you might as well get 100 plus yards out of it. But, but otherwise, I guess. yes, I, I, I hear you. Yeah, his team scored 40-something points, so it didn't matter. Uh, this week, 14-21, 153, and two touchdowns. Okay, cool. You completed two-thirds of your passes. I guess that's good. Uh, only for really 150. inefficient with it. Only for 153 yards. And that's just not going to get it done against the Louisville offense that can flat-out score. Mm-hmm. Uh, Syracuse did establish the run for what it's worth. Moniel, 20 carries for 163 and a touchdown, so he was pretty good. But really what this boils down to is Syracuse not making the most of their offensive opportunities in this football game. Um, just kind of struggling to put it all together at times. The defense really just not really doing anything. Um Defense has been really, really bad for Syracuse all year. Mm-hmm. Louisville went 8 of 11 on third down. They had 608 yards of total offense in this game. Uh, yeah. Anytime you allow 8 of 11 on third down as a defense, you're probably not putting yourself in the best position to win. And it's safe to say that that went a long way to deciding the outcome in this game, Joey. Yeah. I, I mean, for sure. And this is like the most disappointing thing, I think, to me about – this Syracuse team is that we talked about like their defense should have been a lot, you know, pretty significantly improved. And the whole season, the only thing they have done is just give up gaudy amounts of yards and points in the whole thing. I mean, they, they have been terrible. Uh, and it, it's weird to think that here Syracuse, uh, let me double check this. They're, they're going to go next week and play. Uh, they, they've got wake coming in to the carrier dome. Uh, if they lose that game, Mike, you know what their record's going to be? Four and eight. Four and eight. Does that sound familiar? Four and eight, Syracuse? Joey, is, do you know Babers on the hot seat if they go four and eight? I, he can't be after they went to, like, the Citrus Bowl last year or whatever. But Are you sure? Yeah, he can't be. It's Syracuse. Like, it, this isn't, you know, Florida State or Miami or, you know, some – you know, Clemson, that kind of, that's what I'm saying. But at the same time, I mean, we really thought that Syracuse had kind of turned a corner this time last year. They went, what, nine and four last year after two, four and eight years. And here we are again, back at four and eight. And I, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, is this what Syracuse is? Is this just, a transition year? I, I don't know. That's I don't know what I got. That's it. Miami should look into higher Dino Babers. Oh, man. That is that is some galaxy brain stuff there, Mike. I, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. I mean, he might not be great at Miami, but he'll be better than Manny Diaz. Ooh, that's not that high of a bar. Um, <laughs> Anybody? Nobody? Okay. All right. Let's continue. <laughs> What's Larry Coker up to? <laughs> What's Butch Davis up to? Let's just check on him real quick. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, uh, Louisville whoop. 56, <laughs> Syracuse 34. Cards got seven wins so far, and if they beat Kentucky next week, they're going to be eight and four. Can, can somebody sign me up? Get me a T-shirt for uh, Scott Satterfield, Coach of the Year. 
if they win, if they win next week, go eight and four. Yeah, and I think they can do it as long as they stop the run. Which uh, Kentucky's got a wide receiver playing quarterback. Kentucky, let's let's put it this way: Louisville's defense gets way better the less creative that the other offense gets. If it's yep. if it's simple and boring, they can load up and stop the run. The more creative and and spread out and all that stuff you get, yeah, it's going to be a disaster. But Kentucky's offense not doing that right now. Their quarterback is a converted wide receiver, Mike. So, I yep, we'll talk about that in the preview episode. But I feel okay where Louisville's at going to that game. I do too, except Louisville lost to Miami a couple weeks ago somehow. Man, that's that's a bad loss for Louisville. <laughs> that's a real bad loss. <laughs> uh, shout out Howard Schnellenberger. Um, oh, God. That's going way back. Anyways, Louisville 56, Syracuse 34. Uh, Hot tub time machine, baby. <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, let's go back to Thursday night. Speaking of what are we doing? Georgia Tech 28, NC State 26. Uh, big old win for the Yellow Jackets. Big bounce back against uh, against NC State from a disgusting loss to Virginia Tech. Um, Georgia Tech jumped on NC State early. They led 21-3 at halftime. Uh, NC State came roaring back in the second half, mostly because they figured out Georgia Tech's defensive line was outweighed by like 40 pounds a dude. And they just started basically leaning on him and running for like six yards a carry by, you know, specifically with Zonovan Knight. Um, I kind of couldn't believe they didn't do this any earlier, but they did. It was too little too late. Went for a two-point conversion late in the game. Didn't get it. And then Georgia Tech was able to kill the game with a, a couple first downs late in the fourth. Um, that's as far into the details of this game that I want to get, Mike, again. With Georgia Tech, the thing that I think that is really, really important here for the Yellow Jackets is we talked about this game from months ago as this was as much of a referendum as a referendum game gets for Jeff Collins in year one. This was game number 11. It was a home game. It was a Thursday night kind of game. Um, And especially adding to it that they had just laid the absolute egg of all eggs the week before against Virginia Tech, the whole thing. Could they come out and at least be competitive, threaten to win? The fact that they actually got it done, I'm okay. I'm okay with where Georgia Tech is at. Um, I think there's a lot of growth and development to be done, get some guys healthy, the whole thing going into year two. But, you know, as far as finishing a season three and eight goes, and, and truth be told, season's over, Mike. There, there are no more games to be played. Um it's been a good season. Congratulations to the guys. Look forward to seeing you in spring practice. Um, from there, the fact that this is where we end up, I, I wish he had beaten the Citadel, but at the, other, at the end of the day, I'm okay with where they're at. They're in a good spot going into year two. Yeah, I mean, it sucks that they lost to the Citadel, but other than that, they beat the teams they should beat, like Miami, um, yeah, yeah, like, right. like NC State. Yeah. Um, Georgia Tech decidedly like the like ninth best team in the ACC at this point. They're better than Miami. <laughs> Miami hey, Joe, like Joey, 13th best team in the ACC right now. Joey, question real quick. Um, because I know you're trying to ignore this game coming up this weekend. I know you're trying what, to ignore what it. What game? Uh, uh, Georgia Tech has to play Georgia. 
I disagree. Um, Joey, uh, how many points is Georgia Tech going to lose to Georgia by? Like 30? At the half or? No, 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 just just 30. Okay. Jo- right. Georgia, Georgia is like determined to not score any more than 30 points in the game ever. <laughs> this is true. So... This is true. They are hell bent on. They'll miss the extra point if they're going to go up thirty-one. Not like they will kick it off to the side to make sure they don't score any more than thirty points. So, uh, give me Georgia thirty to nothing next week. Uh, Yeah, we're now a Georgia podcast, much to your dismay, uh, because I will quit this damn podcast, Mike. (laughs) So I have I have to go on a quick little rant about Georgia. Georgia is LSU, like five years ago. Alabama and, 10 years ago. Yes. And here's the thing, Joey. Um, unless Georgia figures out, like, how to score points, it's going to have the same sort of lifespan as that Les Miles LSU offense where it's like, hey, the defense is, like, elite, elite good. They're going to win nine or ten games a year in the SEC, which is great. You're going to go to a big-time bowl game. But maybe that's where your apex is. Yeah. Um, yep. so to your point about them only being hell bent on scoring 30 points, I, I agree with you. Anyway, yep. that could be ugly for Georgia Tech. Back to this game, NC State, not very good. Valiant second half effort, but they came up short. They're a bad football team. Dave Dorrance in trouble. I have a feeling that we're a little over a week from going into like a conference championship preview podcast that will not just talk about Clemson and Virginia, but will go into the other Tech. Huh? Virginia Tech, that's Clemson, not, and Virginia Tech. That's not who I picked to win the Coastal. So I don't care. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll we'll get into them here in a little bit. Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, Georgia Tech end of year one won a Thursday night game. You know they hit some big plays early on. It looked like it was going to get bad late, and then they held on and the whole thing. So you know, good on you, Jeff Collins. Um, on the other hand, NC State, woof. Woof woof, and and not not like a reference to Mister Woof, the the mascot, like just like woof, not good. Um, as as I have said for the better part of like eight, nine, ten months now, um, how we do in NC State with, with this whole like Dave Doran situation? Um, you're on your third quarterback and struggling to do a whole lot of anything right now. And, you know, it it's, in in a weird way, it's nice that the secondary's beat up, and, and, and the team in general is pretty beat up, so you've got some excuses. But at the same time, this is freaking Georgia Tech in year one who has, you know, in a lot of ways struggled to put up a fight, and yet you, I mean, you were down 21-3 to at halftime. How are we feeling about that? It wasn't competitive at the half. No, it wasn't. And this is where we're at, I guess. I don't know. That That's that's what NC State has for us right now. Are we okay with that? They better figure some things out, Joey. They I, better figure some things out. You were on that a while ago talking about in the offseason. Uh, yeah, Dave Doran better figure it out quick because – Man, oh man! One of these days, Mike, and and it it may not be here in the next couple of weeks. It might be a year or two from now or something. But 
I just have a feeling Dave Dorn's going to get fired. And uh, I'm going to set up a podium on my front doorstep of my house. And I'm going to invite all y'all media to come ask me questions about what I think about Dave Dorn. Um, and we're going we're gonna to have a conversation about it. I can't wait till the two of you inevitably meet at some point. That'd be something. <laughs> there's, there's actually a great story there about um, uh, years ago when I was writing for From the Rumble Seat, Georgia Tech blog and the SB Nation Network. Um, I, I went through the coach's postseason after a pretty bad season. I forget exactly what year it was, but it, it did not go well for most of the coaches. And um, I, I wrote a like an a series where I was individually reviewing each coach, you know, not only the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, but, you know, the quarterback's coach and the running back's coach and the wide receiver's coach, the offensive line coach, the whole thing. And the, the one guy on the whole thing that I decided this was a friggin' disaster, this guy's got to go, was a special teams coach, the special teams coordinator. I, I swear to you, Mike, it was so, – so I wrote this article in, like, January, and this is – you know, so so right after New Year's is still kind of on the tail end of bowl season, the whole thing. It's like April, and I'm sitting in my dorm in college. I, I don't think I've graduated yet. I get a call from the special teams coordinator, and this is like in April, trying to talk about why did I think that you know that he should be fired and the whole thing. And we had a whole discussion about it, and it was just it was the most surreal thing I think I've ever had happen to me since I started writing about <laughs> I, this is not a lie. This happened. Um, and now we're connected on LinkedIn, and it's great. But other than that, I mean, it was a – I mean, I feel like we're going to be doing that with Dave Dorn here in like a year or two. So Now you're a lifetime connection with the former special teams coordinator at Georgia Tech. 100%. 100%. Beautiful. Uh, by the way, Andrew Chow, if you're listening to this, why did you give him my phone number? This, this is on you. Um, oh, no. Anyways. Georgia Tech 28, NC State 26. We have got to get moving here. We've been screwing around in this podcast. Mike, Notre Dame 40, Boston College 7. Uh, it was a good game until it wasn't. That's yeah, it was a good Yeah, it, it was a good game until uh, Ian Book was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I have a lot of skill position players at Boston College of secondary can't keep up with. And then he threw three touchdown passes and the game was over, 40-7. to seven. How about that? Uh, Cole Komet, uh, Brayden Lindsey, Chris Finke. I mean, <laughs> it was 17-6 at halftime and Notre Dame just casually scored 24 points in the second half and uh, that was it. There's nothing else to say here. Yeah, they were they were dancing on uh, BC's grave in South Bend. Ooh, hey Steve Adazio. Uh it's oh man. Speaking of new coaches, Boston College is five and six, and they're going to Pittsburgh to Heinz Field next week. Uh, nope. Uh, nope. No. Nope. 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 You sure? Nope. No. I don't know nope. that they will either. You know the uh, you know as as much as we have kind of taken a total dump on Pittsburgh's offense, not only in this episode, but really in this season, you know, the one thing that Pittsburgh's offense can do score on Boston college. Oh, they sure can. They sure can. Boston college. It's been a good run of five and seven seasons here. Eagles, but, uh, might be, uh, might be looking to do, uh, somebody else other than Steve Adazio. And I don't know who's going to be fighting me on that at this point. 
Remember when we thought Miami's problem was Malik Rozier? <laughs> yep. Ooh. Not good. Notre Dame 40, Boston College 7. That's all we got. Yep. Uh, let's keep moving. Virginia 55, Liberty 27. I had Liberty plus the 17 in this game. It was going great, really, until the fourth quarter, and then uh, Virginia just sort of rolled over on them and just kind of put the game away. Uh, it was 38-21 going into the fourth quarter. That wasn't good enough. Um, Virginia just they, – they, they kind of started to round into form here, and uh, they have uh, one more test here coming up on Friday of this week, we'll say. Yeah, good thing they always beat Virginia Tech. Um <laughs> Liberty was actually beating UVA in this football game. At one point, it was 14 to 10 in the second quarter. And then uh, UVA basically just remembered that they have better athletes, much like Notre Dame remembered against Boston College. UVA was like, oh, yeah, we're playing against Liberty. And then they blew them out of the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's pretty much what happened here. Um, Virginia scoring 55 points does look weird because this is not – that's not like the level of offensive production we've gotten used to from the Cavs, but uh, I mean, they were good slash good enough here. So um, yeah, Virginia coming in, they're going to be coming in pretty fresh to this game on Friday. Um, they had a bye week last week and now they just sort of smacked around Liberty in the second half, especially. So they should be fairly well rested as things go, but uh, there is, so much at play here as compared to uh, just, you know, is, is Virginia good or not? So yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yes, it'll totally be fine. And also (laughs) is this sustainable shout out to our guy, banana slug, who was tweeting at us all weekend incessantly on social media. He's insistent that we're off base. um, When we say that UVA doesn't have a sustainable, my, future offensively which yeah for better or worse i mean we could end up being wrong on that i just i don't think that uva is clemson and they can just like reload and all of a sudden still be like a top three or four offense in the acc but mm-hmm. we'll see yeah no i mean saying that virginia might have it rough next year let's put it this way i mean maybe virginia makes a bowl game but the absolute insane level of production that they're losing, especially for a program that is not recruiting at a quote-unquote elite level, not such as even like Miami, Florida State, but even as the level of like Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, LSU. Like if you're not like a top 8, 10, 12 recruiting program in the country and you're losing 90-some percent of the yards you're getting through the air – you're not just going to reload statistically. Right. I, right. It, it could happen here or there, but it is so unlikely. And the story that I told you, Mike, was me, my freshman year of college was Paul Johnson, 2009, beating number four undefeated Virginia Tech in Atlanta on homecoming. They beat Clemson on a Thursday night in Atlanta. They, you know, they, they did the whole, they won the ACC that year. They beat CJ Spiller and Clemson and, and, uh, in Tampa that year, actually for the ACC championship, the whole thing. And I just thought this program was loaded and they were not going to be losing a whole lot of anything else anymore. The whole thing, 2010, 
they finished six and seven. You know, they, they lost in Blacksburg. Josh Nesbitt breaks his arm before halftime of the Virginia Tech game there. All this stuff. And next thing you know, they're dropping punts against Air Force and Shreveport. And I, I mean, it was a disaster of all disasters. All to say, as much as I thought this team was bulletproof, turns out Jonathan Dwyer, Demarius Thomas, uh, Derek Morgan, and Morgan Burnett all going to the NFL was a kind of a significant change. Who would have thought? Yeah, and if they weren't recruiting at the level of that was going to replace four guys of that caliber, maybe you just don't seamlessly transition to the next guys. How about that? Like so, right? All to say. Good luck, Virginia. It's going pretty well now. Hope it keeps going that well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Virginia is going to bottom out and be like a two-win program. I think Bronco Mendenhall's done a really good job there, and I think they'll still be competitive next year. I just think yeah. it's reasonable, regardless of what happens in this Virginia Tech game, I think it is reasonable that UVA does not win eight, nine, or ten games next year. If, you, if you're a Virginia fan and you're listening to this podcast, like in February of 2020 – and we're talking about who do we think is going to win the Coastal Division, and I'm not saying Virginia, just don't take offense to that. That's yeah. that's, that's all I'm saying. It's not your fault. Maybe they, they'll – honestly, they'll probably make a bowl game. Most likely. I mean, Mendenhall is that good of a coach. It's been several years. They've got a lot of structure built, all this – you know, they'll probably make a bowl game. There's still pieces. Yeah. But uh, they, they almost certainly aren't going to win the Coastal Division, put it that way. I would agree. All right. Virginia 55, Liberty 27. Uh, last one, North Carolina 56, Mercer 7. That's all I got, Mike. Anything else? Uh, Sam Howell, also 10 of 13, just like Hendon Hooker. Three touchdown passes. So, Copycat. Copycat, yeah. Um, Joey, uh, Miami, remember we were talking about them earlier? Uh, not familiar. Who's that? Uh, they're a team that this, this, also lost to North Carolina. Is this the new Miami or the old Miami? Uh, well, the old Miami, as in this is dating back to September, but the new Miami, <laughs> as in this year, when they're not any good still. Uh, they lost to Miami also. They lost to North Carolina also. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. The old Miami would have won 10 games, got their fans' hopes up, and then turns out they're actually not that good. <laughs> The new Miami doesn't get the fan hopes up at all. They just lose the team. <laughs> He's dying. <dude. sighs> oh, too good. Too good. Uh, Michael Carter, nine carries for 159 yards and three scores. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's all I got. Um, Go you want to get out some awards and then get the hell out of here? Let's do that. All right. Go ahead see moment of the week. Um, again, I don't know how much you watched of this whole uh, – game that FIU won against a conference opponent this year or th this week in particular, would you realize that there was an ACC team that was playing against FIU this week that had two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on the same damn play? I didn't think that was even possible. They got penalized 30 yards on one play. That sounds like the old Miami. Oh yeah. But <laughs> weirdly it does, doesn't it? God. Okay, good, good. So go ACC Miami getting 30 yards of unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on a single play against FIU. I think we're losing, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it's going fine. Uh, 
But at least they're playing with swagger. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They are the new Miami. Um, the Brian Fenton Memorial You Tried Award. Mike, who should this go to? Oh, man. Anybody? Anything come to mind at all? Remember when we thought Malik Rozier was the problem? <laughs> oh, the problem for who, Mike? Oh, the problem for Miami. Hammering <laughs> Malik Rozier. Oh, man. I'll be damned. Uh, <laughs> Miami, you tried. That, that's all I got. Hmm. You, you tried, Miami. You tried. No, they didn't. They, <laughs> they didn't. If they tried, they would have won the game. That was adorable. Um, yeah, not not great. Uh, team of the week, Mike. I I gotta say, it's probably your Hokies. It's got to be my Hokies. Shutout win to uh, basically block out everybody else from the Coastal and set up a full-on Coastal Championship game this Friday. I think it's your team. Yeah, I think it is too. Honorable mention goes to an out-of-conference team, FIU. (laughs) Shout out Butch Davis. Got him. (laughs) They might want to call him up, see what he's got going on. There is a 0% chance that Miami fans are listening to this podcast at this point. (laughs) Oh, yeah, but the people who aren't Miami fans are loving this. If if you are a Miami fan and you are just absolutely steaming mad, you can reach us at Mike McDaniel CFB on Twitter um, and and just let us know what you think of this podcast. Uh, ACC Player of the Week, Mike. We're going to actually go somewhere that's you know, a little bit different. Uh, Javian Hawkins, my goodness, this is the second time at least this season that he's won this award. What a friggin' ball player for Louisville. Uh, 23 carries for 233 and a, like a couple scores here. I mean, what a friggin' ball player. Yeah, real good. Um, one of the best running backs in the conference that includes Travis Etienne. So, yeah, pretty good. And that, that's not a joke either. Like, actually, though, he's real freaking good so uh, yeah so yeah there's some good running backs in this conference yeah maybe next year we'll have some good quarterbacks in this conference we'll see <laughs> no mike that's all i got on week 13 anything else jaron williams has potential still he, he does yeah i mean he needs to get some help from his offensive tackles he needs guys to stop dropping the ball when they're Throwing, throwing passes on target. I mean, the whole, it just, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely potential there. He's still a pretty freaking good quarterback if you give him a chance. Yep. I agree. Or they could just like shuffle quarterbacks around again and see how that works out. Yeah. What what will Malik's up to? You got to see. I mean, he's selling insurance somewhere probably. <laughs> speaking of which, he's, speaking of which, he's got to sell Manny Diaz some insurance. <laughs> professional insurance yeah <laughs> maybe help him out with a search firm for his new landing spot <laughs> oh oh gosh my. i told you i came into this podcast before we hit the record button i said we came into this podcast with one goal joey i won't tell the listeners what that one goal was but joey mission accomplished 
Cam's gonna friggin' block us at this point. <laughs> I welcome it. <laughs> Only because he's one of our best buddies. I welcome it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's an avid listener of this podcast. There is no chance he made it this far. The, the loss of all losses. I, you know, there, there's probably a worse loss in the ACC this year. I, I'm well. Okay, Georgia Tech losing to the Citadel was also not very good, but they have an excuse though. This was also a an effing disaster, an absolute effing disaster. So yeah, uh, go ACC. There are Miami fans who are like, oh, my God, well, it's a year one situation for Manny Diaz, too. Yeah, here's the thing, though. Um, Georgia Tech's not Miami. <laughs> so it's funnier this way. I mean, Miami has had all that success the last few years running the options. So That's you know, true. This is yeah. what they pay for it. Yeah, a complete change in offensive identity. <laughs> preview week 14 let's just get the hell out of here uh in the meantime y'all can find us on twitter i'm at ftrs he is at mike mcdaniel cfb and together we're at bc podcast acc y'all can find us on itunes google podcasts spotify stitcher breaker the overcast app wherever fine podcasts are sold for free and most importantly on the anchor app uh mike you want to tell them where they can find us on the social medias i do facebook Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. If you're a Miami fan, I'd rather you not rate the podcast. <laughs> Just give us like two more weeks and then you can rate it. How about that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. That. Yeah. You can, you can rate us after we preview Miami Sun Bowl. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's high praise, Mike. Um, it is. Uh, y'all can what send us an email to the longest email address known to man basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. I got super out of sorts there, so uh, that that was fine. Uh, Mike, that's that's all I got. Anything else on week thirteen? I think we're good. I, I think so. We already got out of here before we get a Miami fan riot in our uh, our mentions here. Too so, late. Yeah, way too late. Um, you want to come back and preview our final weekend of games before conference championship weekend? Unfortunately. Un- unfortunate that it's the last weekend. Yes, not 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 unfortunate <laughs> that we're recording the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, we'll, we'll check in with Miami fans here in a couple of days. Maybe it is unfortunate. We'll see. Yeah. Now, for- fortunately, their season's ending soon. <laughs> Bet they can't wait. Okay. Uh, Mike, enjoy uh, the next couple of days. We'll we'll talk soon. Uh, probably before Thanksgiving, and that that's a, that's all I got. I'll, I'll wish you a th- happy Thanksgiving at the uh, the uh, preview podcast. How about that? I appreciate that, Joey. It'll be the same podcast, but still a new Miami. <laughs> All right. For that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey. <laughs> I'm Joey Weaver. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, Miami lost to FIU and go ACC. Whoops. Nobody-